All right, everybody, welcome back to our next episode of Next Flicks. Next Flicks. I try to remember the episode number, and I didn't. This is uh, episode four of season four, two? 41, episode 41 of episode season Episode 4,000. Yeah, it's incredible. We've been pumping them out. We've just been deleting four. <laughs> We've just been deleting 3,996 of them, but you know. The rest uh, are just bad, so we we erased them. Yeah. So if you think that the ones that made it are are bad, then <laughs> then you have no idea. But uh, all right. So welcome back, guys. It's uh, it's I'm looking out the window here, Braden, and uh, it's nice and uh, still winter, and I hate it. <laughs> yeah, it's sunny today. It looks nice. When you go outside, it's like, oh yeah, it's actually freezing. Yeah, you go outside and. Is kind of the place you're. You're kind of to the place of the winter season where you just want to burn everything to the ground because it's all so gloomy. So maybe you're not that at, at that place like like I am, but that's what I I'm mean. At. A little bit. I a little bit am. So if there's an arsonist that uh, you you might be after, it might be me. No, I'm kidding. Okay. So yeah, we, that's kind of what's going on. We almost had to go out for snow move on Thursday, and Matt's been at my, my boss Matt. He's been out of town, so it's going to be me and Jared in charge, which is a first. And then it didn't snow. I was up half the night waiting for it to snow, and it never snowed. What do you What do you do all night? I mean, you have to like keep yourself up. Do you just watch stuff or read or listen to things? Or I take like forty five minute naps, and then I'm up for twenty minutes just listening to a podcast to stay awake, and then I decide I can go to sleep for a little bit longer. So you like you like Thomas Edison did. Where you just like kind of slept every now and then, and then got some stuff done, and then slept again. I thought that was Ben Franklin. Thomas Edison did it. I don't Ben Franklin. A lot of people have done it. Oh yeah, all the all the really smart people. Yeah. So here's the thing, kids: sleep for a short period of time, work, and then go back to sleep. Here's the thing, kids: destroy your brain. And, and don't take it to the extreme that I do, and just go to sleep for like hours at a time, and, and then like work for twenty minutes, and go back to sleep for hours. <laughs> So, so you're supposed to sleep for hours at a time, Luke. That's the way it actually works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the way that, that those people that are paid to, to study sleep say it works. But anyways, I don't know. <laughs> Not listening to the establishment. Yeah, speaking I will of the, sleep the way I want to. Speaking of the establishment, we have an establishment to challenge today on the matter of child psychology. Oh, yes. Yeah. So this is a nice little segue into our movie today. A little known film called Inside Out. Look at you be all professional and stuff, Luke. <laughs> yeah, man, you know, I've been practicing. I got to... You're so professional. I'm over here in my sweatpants. I feel like you need a different host for this one. I need a different co-host. <laughs> no, no, it's great, man. I got my psychology degree filled out in crayon here. It's, it's going to be good, <laughs> good stuff. Um, I, I almost for a second thought, wait, did you get a psychology degree? <laughs> Just for this episode. We spent four <laughs> years preparing for you. Um, and uh, no, I, uh, I, I probably should probably should go without saying that we are not uh, trained clinical psychologists. So things yeah. that we say in this episode probably most likely aren't accurate, but we feel like it's correct. And in America, that means we're right. So that's, <laughs> that's all that that's, matters. I feel like I'm correct. So I am. Since we have the microphone, our voices are correct. So <laughs> with that. Oh, it's so scary that that's so true. Okay. It really is, though. Okay, so we should probably jump in. We could just banter all day. We should just put out a banter episode. We should. Inside Let's Out. Inside, Inside Out. Um, 
Okay, so we picked this movie, and and here's the thing. Some people may view incorrectly Pixar as just making kids' movies. And maybe from a marketing standpoint, they definitely do, but I I really do believe they create excellent films. Oh, uh, they really do. And and uh some people may like not agree with that and and I don't care, but um I so I kind of picked this movie because I think it really does um, something unique in the movie, as far as a movie goes and how it really is almost like a, if you really examine it, kind of like a therapy session, almost. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Can I read you a quote from, uh, from Mandy Calling, who plays Disgust in this film? Yeah. When she was pitched the idea of the movie to be in it, she said, I think it's great that you guys are making a film that shows it's difficult to grow up and it's okay to be sad. Yeah. Which is exactly what this film is. And it's beautiful. Which is kind of cool. I, uh, that, that's an excellent quote. Um, because that really embodies what this movie is about. It's, a, it's not, a, it is and isn't, it walks the line of being and not being a feel good movie. Um, it's but a it's weird not. kind of feel-good movie because it's like yeah the whole point is you don't have to feel good to feel good yeah it, exactly um which i think i have some there's a really when we get to that part um there's some really specific things i want to dive into with that because i think i really i, I will just say out of the bat my opening statement and Brady, okay. you, can, you can give your opening statement my opening statement is i really believe that this movie is a masterclass of storytelling. Yes, I agree with that. I really think so. And, and I think it's maybe one of their best. And as a movie goes, I would arguably say this is, as movies go, this is probably one of the best as far as storytelling goes. Um, I think you best. can look at this in two ways and call it amazing in two ways. Design-wise, it is a beautiful film. There's a lot of little things that that just match that are just perfect looking and, and you can look at it and say wow this is a real work of art but then you get into the story and into what they're trying to say the message and it's like wow this is like honestly incredible storytelling and a very important film it's not just a good film it's an important message that not enough people really hear yeah it, it really is that's a good expose actually into that hmm so is that is that kind of your your epilogue or what are, what are your thoughts opening statements? Yeah, that's my opening statement there that this is not only a beautiful film but it's a important film. I can't remember who someone some YouTuber I watch honestly suggests that this should be mandatory viewing for all children and I agree with that. That so when when your um, when your daughter gets old enough then we'll we'll absolutely come and have a movie night with her. Oh yes, she's going to have to watch this. I apologize, by the way, if I'm a little quieter than normal because my daughter is napping in the next room. She is awesome. Yes. And we love her. Anyways, so, <laughs> Moving uh, on. yeah, I'm her godfather. We're not gay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just, out there. Uh, just, just to clarify for anyone that doesn't, is if you're first time listening. Um, Luke, Luke, don't be ashamed of our love. <laughs> it's brotherly love. So, there you go. It's awesome. Um, okay, so I'm going to set the stage here because there are some things that I think it's really good. If you haven't seen this movie, you understand. Um, Inside Out is, is based, uh, it's a movie based in, she's 11? She's 11? Yeah, 11. In the, 
an 11 year old mind. And um, it's basically, it, it pictures the mind as a control center, as a big control center. Um, and what is driving the mind, the actions of this girl are emotions, much like humans. Right. This is her Star Trek crew running the ship that is her body. Yeah. I mean, they literally have like a Star Trek console. A very um, small one, which becomes an important, important part of the story later on. Oh, I have a... Oh, there's so many details. Okay. We, <laughs> sorry. We need to finish, um, finish on the stage. Brayden, can you tell us about the characters that, that are going on in her mind? Yeah. So there are five emotions. The first one that she's born with is joy who is the embodiment of happiness and good times, uh, who is played by Amy Poehler, which is just perfect casting. Then there is sadness, disgust, fear, and anger. And these are all um, the people, and this is like the maximum amount of people she'll ever have in her life that they're just driving everything that's going on. And And we we see throughout the film, like everyone has these five people running their head. Yeah, even dogs and cats at the end, which was awesome. Uh, <laughs> it's really weird, but hilarious. It's so great, though, it's, especially for the cat one. Um, but so it's kind of cool that Pixar boils our emotions down into these five. And I have something to say about that once, once we're done setting the stage here. But basically, Riley is 11. And uh, that's the name of the, of the main girl here. And her family is moving from Minnesota. Minnesota. Minnesota, to to San Francisco. A little bit of a change, considering that I think the entire city of San Francisco is bigger than the entire state of Minnesota. I don't think Uh, that... Minnesota's a huge state. There might be more people, but it's a really big state. If we were talking about Montana or Nebraska, that would be more accurate. But, yeah, you're probably right. Um, Maybe the metropolitan area of San Francisco. but Maybe, maybe. um, Probably not still. I'm sure someone will fact check us on that and we'll be on CNN for I'm doing it right now. Yeah, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) We're live fact checking the podcast, everybody. Um, That's awesome. Uh, um, Okay, so they they move there, though, for um, her dad's job. And he's a part of a new startup. Yeah, new startup business venture. San Francisco is a big financial place, so that kind of makes sense. Um, And that's kind of the setup for the story. That's a big change for a little girl to, to move. I mean, it's a big change for an adult, but it's a big change, especially for a little girl, to, to leave all her friends behind and go to this new place from the only place she's ever known and grown up and, and where she was happy at. Um, and I think that's kind of the stage. I don't know if we need to set anything else. It's really a simple premise. Do you think we it, need to set anything else? I don't think we need to set anything else, but I do want to take a second and talk about the design of this film. Yeah. Because... Like from the stats and stuff or like camera work or what are you thinking? Oh, a little bit of both. The, the okay. first thing I want to talk about though is these five personalities. Yeah. Because they're all designed in very specific ways and to look like very specific things. Like joy looks like a star, like bright mm. and shiny. And sadness looks like a teardrop. And disgust <laughs> looks like a frayed or disgust looks like broccoli because Riley hates broccoli. Fear looks like a frayed nerve. Anger looks like a brick, which apparently are very angry things. <laughs> but this is a kind of little detailing that I, I love in Pixar films overall, and especially in this film. It's like, even the look, I didn't recognize that Disgust looked like broccoli right away, 
until I was actually making broccoli. And I was like, oh, this looks like disgust. But it's Dude, like, you're totally right. But it does get you in that mindset of, of like, even how the way fear, he looks and he kind of moves around a little bit. It, it made me feel kind of jittery looking at that character. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, the, it's the, the little things like that. And also the, like, that control room gets bigger and gets more detailed the older she gets. Like, at first, it, it's just like a, a viewing screen, basically. And then as she gets older, there's shelves and they're all filled with memories. And there's also shelves with instruction manuals for some reason. Yeah. And there's hallways and rooms and stuff. And it it kind of helps to show that you become more as you get older, if that makes any sense. Yeah. That's good. As you grow, things grow with you in your mind. Um, yeah. In your ability. Um, so in their little control center, they have a control panel that basically uh, – triggers all of Riley's reactions. So it makes sense that as it gets older, um, like in the parents, when we see inside the parents' head, uh, we see that they're basically like at a NASA style, like everyone sitting down mission control thing. It's just giant sit down boardroom thing. Um, very formal, very controlled, has lots of options. But Riley is just kind of like a big desk that doesn't have any chairs around it. You kind of just walk up and you can press it away. <laughs> It's and less it's, like control, which would be true for an 11-year-old. You have less control and development over your emotions. And Riley's desk is really only big enough for one emotion to be running it at a time. That's a great point. That's yeah. a great point. Because, spoiler alert, they install a bigger desk at the end of the film, but in which you see in the other adult characters when we get to see in their mind that they have the larger desks that more emotions can kind of run it at any given time. Which, again, kind of grows to show that as you get older, you do get more control over your emotions and over your, just over yourself in general. And you can express the, uh, different emotions at different times. Hey, Luke, I have bad news. What's that? You were way off about the size of San Francisco. <laughs> Was ever, well, the city I know is like 800,000 people, right? Uh, I, I looked up the metropolitan area, which is about 5 million people, if you include Oakland. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's not a lot of people. Well, I mean, that's a lot, but it's not. Yeah, but it's only like 2,500 square miles, and Minnesota's 86,000 square miles. What's the population of Minnesota? Uh, it's just slightly larger. I don't know. I closed those tabs. Oh, okay. I'm just <laughs> Sorry. It's all good. I wasn't right. That's, that's the moral of the story. Anyway, but yeah, from here, we can move forward in the story. They've moved to San Francisco. Beautiful so city. I want to take one more detail here. We start the okay. movie off and Riley is a baby. Yes. And uh, the, the movie does a great job. It does a voiceover. It uses voiceover to set up the story. It uses the voice of joy. Um, when babies are born, um, they're either happy or they basically cry, um, which is cool. <laughs> uh, it is the only two emotions my daughter is able to express. This is awesome or this is the worst. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so something that was kind of cool here. Um, El, my wife has taken a, a child developmental psychology class and she, she pointed out a detail to me that, that I didn't notice. Um, when the baby was born, you see it's just a viewing screen that's kind of blurry and can't, it shows the parents on a white background. And that was a really interesting detail because, and it just really shows how much detail and research Pixar put into this movie that, that babies, when they're born, they can't see more than a few feet in front of them. Oh yeah. And um, for the first I don't know. It was like first few months, I think, or something like that. And also they don't, when they literally open up their eyes for the first time, 
our mind sees things based on references of other things. Mm -hmm. um, and that palette is obviously blank. So it kind of makes sense that the parents are blurry because the, the kids never seen these shapes or these anything, color, whatever. Um, and I, so I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, it, it is. And it, it's, you know, that sparked a thought in my mind. I kind of forgot it. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it does show that Pixar does a great job of, of really doing a lot of research for for their movies yeah it's they definitely met with a lot of people um that really knew what they were talking about to build that that yeah. story so i thought that was cool so um she moves to san francisco she grows up she has a happy life she's a little kid she has a great time she's she has good parents and and she's having a happy she, time she plays hockey which is awesome yeah she plays hockey. i mean it's minnesota minnesota uh it's gonna be sorry anyone from minnesota yeah they're probably we just lost you know what's funny our, What's that? When I, when I was 11, we almost moved to Minnesota. <laughs> oh, man. You could have been Riley. Yeah, I could have. Riley yeah. in reverse. Yeah. Wow. That's scary. So, anyway, and this is where we get to see the islands of personality, which are yeah. sort of the, the core. They're almost like the engines that drive the machine of Riley. If yeah. Imagine the, the emotions as the drivers. These are the engines. Yeah. That's how they, it basically, these islands uh, make her who she is. So they have like, family or honesty or or goofiness or fun or friendship things like that are, are all different islands of personality and part of who she is yeah um okay so we jump into the story she moves to san francisco and this is a big scary move all the emotions and including joy to some degree are like they don't know what to expect they're kind of nervous it's kind of dumpy where they're living um yeah it's not a very pretty house. It's not pretty. Everyone freaks out. And, um, and, and Riley's just starting to get really bummed out. So Joy, uh, Joy basically is like, guys, hey, everyone calm down. I have a great idea, which is awesome because it's a little light bulb they plug into the desk for the idea. Um, <laughs> I did like that. That's very cute. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> And the idea was like, let's make the best of this and play hockey with the, it was actually really cute, but let's play hockey with our parents in the, in the living room with paper. And this is where we get to start to see one of Joy's big, uh, one of her big problems is she has a habit of just covering up problems. Yeah, she just kind of, you know, it's a scary thing. She moved to this area. It's kind of, you know, scary. Um, the other emotions are wanting to express a whole bunch of stuff because the room was... Um, the room was crap. The, the town area smelled bad. You know, things like that. Um, there's a dead mouse in the living room. There's a dead mouse. So Joy was just like, okay, let's just ignore all the bad things and be happy. And uh, that, that's where that idea came. But she's definitely covering it all up. But there, there, there's also like right before the let's just cover it up and be happy. There's a scene where she honestly does have a good idea. When she walks into the bedroom, and everyone's freaking out about it. And Joy, she starts planning out how the bedroom's going to work. And so there, you can have a positive attitude about bad things as a way to work through them. But you can also have a positive attitude as a way to avoid the bad things. Which they show back to back here, which I think is really nice. Yeah, it's a really kind of an interesting expose into good and bad for us. Um, yeah. No, I don't have anything to add to that. That's, that's really good. Actually. <laughs> you, put that well. you put that well. So she 
basically has all these emotions she's suppressing and but they're there they're in san francisco that's home and uh time passes and it's time for her, her first dance school and uh well oh sorry so first off that she she finds out that that her stuff won't be there for another week too yeah darn moving trucks yeah suck but um so starts her first day of school and uh and again she's feeling a whole bunch of emotions whole bunch of stuff and all the emotions are like let me drive let me drive let me feel all these things blah 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 and and then joy once again kind of just takes over it's like bam here's the here's the thing here's what we're feeling yeah it's happening it's just, we're gonna be positive you know we're gonna be excited about this yeah and this is uh riley's is is introducing herself to the classroom she's talking about her best friend and she pulls up one of her core memories now these are the 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 core emotions that power the islands of personality these are the memories that sparked that personality they're very important never forgotten pivotal points so far in her life yeah but this this friendship memory slowly turns sad as she's explaining it and they turn to see that sadness is trying to get the memory and is it's this we get to see that sadness is able to change the emotion of the memory yeah change it from uh, it because her core memories up to them were all happy yeah uh and now they're happy sad yeah which this that's interesting that sadness has the power to change a memory but none of the other ones do do the other ones come near the memory? How, do I mean, we ever see that? They're all touching the memories at different points in the movie, and they never, because because uh, Joy couldn't even change the memory back when uh, not the core memory, but sadness completely changed another memory at one point, and Joy yep. couldn't change it back when she touched it. That's a great point. Hmm. Yeah. Probably something deep. What it is? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't know what it is, but I agree with you. There's probably something deep there. <laughs> That's a great point. Okay. So Here we're going to see joy and sadness start fighting. So this is a really interesting point. Um, she's remembering the times, the good times back home with her friends playing hockey. And she's talking about it and she's super happy about it because it's joy driving. It's like, oh, this was great. This was, what a good time playing with my friends back home that I don't see anymore. And they're really far away and, and they're not in my life anymore. And then she starts tearing up and crying and disgust is like, ew, what's going on? First day of school and crying, you know, like things like that. <laughs> and, um, and they turn around, like you said, Joyce touched the memory. And, uh, and, and, and happiness is like, or Joy, sorry, Joyce is like, what are you doing? Get away from there. You know, trying, trying to stop her from tainting the memory. And um, basically, I think this was really interesting uh it kind of shows an interesting progression that like every memory there or every emotion there has like a job i guess to make riley feel yes and it's totally natural that that you would feel kind of sadness remembering your your good friends that you're not you know no longer living with or by um And, and joy is fighting against sadness there trying to stop her from doing her natural job which is it's confusing sadness and it's hurting riley yeah, because cause sadness is like, oh, I, well, sadness even says, like, oh, I'm sorry, Joy, I don't know what got into me. Well, but sadness was really just doing her job. I mean, that was her yeah. job to, to touch this emotion and to, to make it feel sad because that's a natural response. 
to, to that kind of thing, you know? Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Oh, definitely. So there's, Hmm. it's such a weird film to talk about there's so much of just like oh that's interesting to think about and it's hard to like in the moment actually talk about it yeah it's so thought-provoking this is the deepest film i think we've ever covered it really is though and on the surface it presents it in such a simple concept the idea of memories being balls that can be changed by sadness or or played back it's really brilliant um but here again we see this joy. is a movie that you can you can watch and just enjoy the funny movie, or you can really dive deep into, which is I love that. It's hard to have a film that can do both. It really is, and that's the brilliance of this movie, in my opinion. Is it's simple, funny, entertaining, but yet goes deep. And while we're talking about simple and entertaining things that are also very deep, that scene uh, Joy is watching the memory of Riley ice skating and yeah. she just kind of pretend ice skating throughout the, the whatever the control room. Yeah. There's, it's this moment of pure silence and just like light piano in the background. And it's so beautiful. And you get to see how much joy really cares about Riley. And I, I wrote down, man, Pixar rocks at silent moments. They really do. Yeah. <laughs> They really do. I mean, look at Wally. They had 45 minutes in the movie about dialogue. The first 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. That's actually a really uh, good thing. I gotta watch Wally again. So, <laughs> this is um, this is another important point, though, this movie. That basically, Riley is suppressing the sadness that she's yeah. about leaving. Bottling up her emotions. She's not ignoring it. Yeah. Or she's, I'm sorry, she's not acknowledging it. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> what happens next? I, I realized with most times when I write notes of these films, I write like kind of what's going on in the film. I didn't write what's going on in the film because I'm writing all these other things I'm thinking about. <laughs> yes. I remember what ha- like the next important thing to happen is that sadness ruins the core memory, which we just talked about. And then there's this there's this fight between joy and sadness over the core memories and well joy... oh, yeah sorry, sorry she she creates a new core memory as yeah. they're fighting and a new core memory is the sadness that riley felt when she was crying in front of her class that moment became a core memory for riley which means it would have created another island for riley an um, island built on sadness and that was joy's like uh-uh no way and uh, so she she intercepted the core memory, took it took it out, and sadness is fighting her because you can't do that. It's a core memory. You're supposed to like it's supposed to be there, part of yeah. it. And then through this whole through this entire ordeal, they get um, the the control room every day uh, dumps all the memories into long term memory. Um, yeah, all, all the memories built throughout the day. Yeah, so it gets dumped into the long term. Uh, and it does that by using a vacuum tube. So throughout, there's a fight, and throughout the course of the fight, basically, they they go into, they get sucked into the vacuum tube. Yeah, joy and, and sadness and the, the the core memories. So they get out of the vacuum tube from um, basically, uh, they are dumped out of control, and the three other emotions, fear, disgust, and anger, are like, crap. <laughs> what do we do now? 
Yeah, it's like we can't, you know, they're not built to cover those sadness and joy emotions. I like this scene. Riley is crying in front of class when this whole fight happens and joy and sadness gets sucked out. And she just stops crying very suddenly and sits down. And she basically shuts down in that moment because she, she's lost her ability to feel sad. Or yeah, because and the, emotion, cause the emotion isn't there. Yeah. So um, at this point, they get dumped into uh, joy and, and sadness get dumped into long-term memory. And these are the shelves upon shelves of, of memories that Riley has had her entire life. Uh, and when a memory goes bad, uh, it fades from its bright, vibrant color to like gray. And mind workers uh, basically suck them up in a giant vacuum and then they go into the garbage dump where memories are forgotten. Yeah, this huge, unending pit down below the control room. Yeah, so um, so basically they are in their town and and long-term memory, and they're like, crap, we need to get back. Um, Because they start to know something when they're down there, that Riley, throughout the progression of the the movie, the islands, because the core memories, some of the core memories, because uh, some of the core memories, when they got sucked up, got sucked up with them. I forgot to mention that. That's important. All of the core memories did. There are no, Riley doesn't have anything running her ship now. Yeah, no personalities. Yeah, we forgot to mention that. So, Joy has them with her, her yes. core memories. Um, but yeah, there's nothing driving the ship anymore. Uh, so all the islands are shutting down, starting to shutter, and some of them fall apart. Yeah, as Riley tries to like call the, upon those those islands of personality, it's not working, and they're falling apart, and she's losing parts of herself. Yeah, she's losing who she is. No identity, basically. So. The movie now becomes a mad dash um, for joy and sadness to get back to to master control before, or headquarters as they call it, before Riley loses all of her islands of personality. Yes. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of explaining just because this movie is so complex, I guess. (laughs) Um, I I just got to say, I don't have much to say on just other than it's really, again, so easy to comprehend. They're putting incredibly complex, incredibly complex personality principles into very easy to grasp imagery. Yeah, which is just, it's, it's crazy to think about how they were able to do it and how good this came out. Yeah, it's, it's just very... Uh, it feels very accurate. Again, we're not clinical psychologists, but it feels really <laughs> accurate. Uh, but you know what? We have we have lived lives, and we have been through a lot of these same emotional periods. And I I, I can say that I think I I think I've experienced similar things to what Riley experienced in this film, and it feels very very like real life. That's good. I'd agree with that. Yeah, we totally we are qualified to say things about emotions. Um, <laughs> Take that, psychiatrist. Yeah. Um, okay. So now the, the we're going to kind of go through here a little bit to what I think this becomes the shining point of this movie storytelling is as they're going through the, the caverns or the shelves of, of memories, they meet Riley's imaginary friend. 
Bing Bong. Bing Bong, who who's dolphin just a cotton. Great candy. name, isn't yeah. it? Bing Bong, who's like a cotton candy elephant dolphin thing that cries candy. It's just this crazy contraption <laughs> of a creature. It's everything uh, a two-year-old wants in a best friend. Basically everything a, a two-year-old wants. Um, <laughs> but Bing Bong is this imaginary character they run into who's stealing memories um, from the shelves. Uh, I'm assuming it's their memories of actually when he and Riley were like, I mean, she's 11 now, so she's too old for imaginary friends. Um, or she's like, that's not cool, whatever. Um, yeah. so, but he's, so, but he's like rummaging through her shelves looking for memories when they were young and they used to play together. No, they never really talk about that again, that he's stealing these memories. It's weird. Yeah, well, that's the first vibe you get from him is this is kind of weird. This creepy, overly friendly, imaginary friend is just stealing these memories in his his Mary Poppins bag. Um, I do like that Mary Poppins bag. It's imaginary. You can hold whatever you want. Exactly. Um I think this is really kind of cool how they how they decided to to put an imaginary character in, into the film to to push it along. Um, I, I thought that was actually really brilliant. Uh, so, okay, this is in my opinion where the, the storytelling starts to really take off with Bing Bong. Yes, um, because Bing Bong's like, oh, I can get you to the train, or I can get you to the island that that you need to get to to get back to. Um, to headquarters like follow me yeah. they're like oh great yeah let's do it so they start heading that way um towards uh the train and uh they, they run into some funny things they're they're probably too many constructs in this movie that we should probably stop trying to describe every cool thing but uh <laughs> uh but maybe. they start maybe i want to i do want to talk about abstract thought because that was really creative uh yeah, that was a cool scene we'll talk about that in a minute so basically they start running towards the train because the every day there's a train that carries memories and daydreams to riley's headquarters to be recalled upon her train of thought her train of thought if you will this train goes straight to headquarters so it would just be a logical thing oh we just need to jump this train and get to get to headquarters Mm -hmm. super cool so um they to get there though they have to pass through this 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 building thing is it building yeah it's like a building barrier whatever called abstract thought uh and it gets stuck in it temporarily yeah this is interesting to think but like okay so if you can imagine where they are is basically in riley's brain in fact those the shelves of the long-term memory are supposed to look like the folds of a brain yeah we never do get a good aerial view of them but yeah um, but it totally did you're totally right yeah and if you think about it, they're going from the memory side into, they end up going into uh, where, she, where her dreams are, where her imagination is and stuff. Going from the logical to the imagination, the creative side, like the one side of the brain to the other. Yeah, like left brain, right brain kind of thing. Yeah. And this is actually something my wife Jessica pointed out when watching this film. The abstract thought, excuse me, this is how children learn to view things. They process them bit by bit as a time you were talking about how when she's a baby we can only see everything's fuzzy there's a white background children start to learn to process things in little bit and when they go through this abstract thought and this abstract thought room whatever they kind of like the emotions break down 
backwards down to the, the, the random what random pixelization then to colors and shapes to two-dimensional things yeah then to nothing yeah and that's that's kind of how kids learn like i watch my daughter play on the floor enough to see that she starts by just trying to figure out what something is and how it works she'll pick it up in movement to realize like understand how it can move in the air around her it's kind of hilarious huh that's yeah. amazing it's a, so they kind of really again they take a super complex uh process and make it pretty uh applicable and just like interesting to the story yeah if this is like this is one of those scenes I th- there's always a scene like this about middle point of every film where you could cut it and not hurt the story at all but it's just enjoyable and this is that scene and it's done very well because it is very enjoyable and i like that it's in the film <laughs> But you're totally right. It is just a filler scene. It doesn't really add anything. Other than... No shame in that. And other than maybe just like painting a, a more of a clear picture of what the actual mind is like. Yeah. That's interesting. So they go through Riley's imagination, which she's 11. So there are a lot of things in her imagination at, at this time. Uh, it's kind of transitioning, but like there's like Cloud Town... There's like a fry forest. There's a imaginary boyfriend machine. Um, things like that. Imaginary boyfriend machine. This is my. I would die for Riley. Yeah, I would die for Riley. I'm Canadian. You <laughs> <laughs> like that. It's so great. Um, yeah, I would die for Riley. Uh, That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So, um, but this is just uh, one of the things they gotta go through to get to Riley's head uh, headquarters. Oh, headquarters. Oh. <laughs> I just got that too. <laughs> I just, yeah. Oh, a headquarters. Dang you, Pixar. What the heck? That's really funny. I said her head and meant to say headquarters, but then in my head it clicked. I was like, oh. Oh. Anyways, sorry. Okay. Um, so I don't think anything else really notable happens here. Uh, they kind of just get to the train. Well, they missed the first one, but they get to the second train, and basically, as soon as they get on it, it it shuts off, turns down, because Riley goes to sleep, and everything goes black. Yeah, and they're stuck in the dream world trying to wake her up. But we should take a second here and talk about what's going on with Riley, because while this is all going on, she's, of course, going through a day at school with disgust, fear, and anger trying to run the ship, and it's not going very well. She ends up getting into a fight with her parents at the dinner table. Oh, this is a cool scene. I do want to talk about this, though, because we get to see inside her parents' mind. Yeah. In her mom's mind, sadness is in control of the board. And in her dad's mind, anger is in control of the board. Yeah. And we just see other people in their minds and who's in control of their boards and stuff. And I think that's just an interesting... I want to know what you think of this luke do you think it is a conscious choice who is in charge of the board i don't think it's a conscious <laughs> choice i think it is a um that is an excellent question by the way um to rephrase it like could could the parents change who is in charge in their mind if they wanted to hmm uh, hmm <laughs> I kind of, I kind of thought it was maybe based on like who they were. Yeah, it's like which personality is in charge. 
Yeah, you know, that that's kind of what I was thinking is like whatever um hmm. it felt more diplomatic. Yeah, that's the other thing I noticed is is in Riley's mind, all the emotions are very distinct from each other. They all look different, they act very different. But in the parents, all the emotions look exactly the same. And they yeah. act very similar and they it's the emotion they express is less intense. Anger is not as angry. Sadness isn't as sad as in Riley, which is, I think it's another cool little thing there is when you're a child, there is still so much potential. You haven't decided what you're going to be yet. So nothing is set in, set in stone. As yeah. A, yeah, sorry, go on. No, you're totally right. Um, it, it, it's not set in stone. And... Um... And that's an interesting way that they show that is through the parents' developed mind to Riley's undeveloped mind. Yeah, and you could almost imagine as Riley gets older, if Joy does stay in control, the other emotions slowly turning to look more and more like her. Yeah. So that was a, um, I think something really interesting during all this is that um, the, the three emotions that are left in headquarters are trying to drive Riley. They're trying to keep her happy. They're trying to like figure out how to, you know, make this thing work. But they're, they're just trying not, to be joy. But they're just not built for it. Yeah. So basically, they end up um, kind of screwing Riley up uh, <laughs> even more because they're they're responding in anger. They're um, they're being disgusted at things that, that you know, like they're trying to respond like Riley would, but they just let their emotion get the best of them. Um, which is what they're built to do. So basically, Madness has a brilliant idea. Everything was better back home. You know, they're losing their friends. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not making new friends, whatever. You know, the family thing is they're saw tension at home because of the move. Um, so Madness has a great idea, or Anger, sorry, has a great idea to, to run back home because it should fix everything. You go back home. It's, it's going to be great. Which is a very childlike response to that. Exactly. I mean, it's totally a kid's thing. But he's like, let's do it. We're going to run away. Um, so she, I would see French in that. Let's <laughs> run away. Um, so, uh, so Joy, Joy hears this from, um, from the, the mind workers, basically. And she's like, oh, man, we need to hurry and get up there and fix this. You know something? I want to take one second. Really interesting to me is that the emotions while they do like disagree with each other, they don't like fight with each other. Right. Because they all, they all have the same goal in mind. Yeah. Of doing what's best for Riley. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, It really was actually kind of interesting. Um, (laughs) I mean, there's no real point there other than it's like, Oh yeah, they all kind of just like stay in their line. That'd be nice if some people did that in life. Um, anyways, sorry. <laughs> so uh, Riley falls asleep, and they they need to get to her brain. I mean, when Riley wakes up, she's going to try and run away, whatever. So they need to get to her headquarters, and um, she's asleep. And the best way to do it is to make her have a nightmare and wake up. Yeah. Um, and they basically do this um, by by getting they're thrown into this prison where Riley's deepest fears are kept. And she's 11, so it's broccoli and a clown right now. Um, 
They're such and, and, deepest fears. Yeah, but man, it's, it's just, you know, she's a kid. I think this is really actually kind of something interesting. I just thought it was kind of cool how they pictured the, the um, you know, the imagery in this film is just brilliant. That's it. They put the, um, they put the, the clown and the broccoli behind a, a prison door. Like it's locked away. Like we do with all of our fears, even when we're adults. Yeah, and that's, that was the, the prison of her subconscious. Where you hide the things you don't yeah. want to think about. Exactly. It's even near the pit of where she forgets of everything. Yeah, it's like on the way down. Hmm. There's probably some significant thing, significant thing there we're not picking up on either. Well, it's like it's something that is she trying to forget and put out of her mind, but it's too important to be let go like that. So her mind has kind of built this sub cavern to hold on to it. And Brayden's medical studies will be coming out soon. <laughs> Working on my PhD right now. Yeah, dude, that's that's so good though. You're actually probably right there. So they <laughs> they let they let this clown out to to make her have a nightmare and and wake herself up basically. I want to know more about what happens with this clown. Like, do they try to lock it up again? Is it just now roaming Riley's mind free? Like, what is up with this clown? What is the clown doing? That's a good question. That has never addressed. There's, There's a big a Pixar short in the making there. Yeah, just destroying her mind. Um, <laughs> no. Um, sadness of to hunt down the clown and lock it away. So they wake Riley up, and Riley, um, the train comes back to life, and they get on the train, and they're going to ride it. It seems like, oh, that's the end. Woo! But this is where Anger has the idea. He's decided we are running away. And Riley's going to steal her mom's credit card and that breaks down. Is it the last Island of Personality? Because they've been breaking down throughout the film. Yeah, I think it was like yes. Was the fourth I or the fifth? It, I think it was. It was, very, it was close to the last, whatever. But yeah, the it's Honesty breaks, Island. Yeah, yeah, because she steals her mom's credit card. And um, How dare you, Riley? The Island breaks down. Yeah, and it breaks the, the, the train of thought. Uh, it the train of thought breaks down and the only way they can get up now is by getting into one of these tubes that would send them the the memory recall tubes and joy tries to leave sadness behind yeah so basically this is the first time you see joy like go against sadness really go against sadness she looks at Sadness and is like, oh, I have the opportunity to get rid of Sadness forever. Yeah, because and we had a scene earlier that we didn't mention, and it's I want to talk about it very briefly when yeah. Dong is sad that his uh his rocket ship got thrown away. Into and, the pit. Yeah, and Joy is trying to cheer him up, but it's not working. And then Sadness comes and they have a nice little chat, and it it works. It like it gets Bing Bong out of his funk, he cries it out, he's doing better. And then he's able to move on, which I think is the first time Joy kind of sees maybe just covering the problems isn't the best. And that is, that is one of the most brilliant tactics in this movie. That entire little scene there, it's 30 seconds maybe, but Joy or but Sadness just sits there listening to Bing Bong cry about the rocket being thrown away because of all the memories Riley had in it. And Sadness just sits there and goes like, oh, that sucks. And then it's better yeah and it's and, another one of those sometimes it's best to just work through it and have the emotion and that is brilliant storytelling pixar so 
Um, that's brilliant storytelling. Um, and yeah, like you said, happiness or joy. Yeah, I'll call it happiness. Joy realizes, oh, huh. Someone do it there. So I thought that was interesting. But she does still try to leave sadness behind, which ends up hurting her because the tube breaks and she gets dropped into the, the pit with all the oh. core memories. Yeah, the ones that, yeah, everything. Where the, the, the pit where things are forgotten. Um, and basically through a series of events, Bing Bong ends up down there as well. Yes. Um, with her. And uh, it, this entire scene gets really sad because you, you kind of got to stop and think if, if she was forgotten or if the core memories were forgotten. And in theory, with this premise, she would have never been able to be happy again. Yeah, that's it. It's kind of terrifying. Yeah, like the stakes are really high for Riley's mental future. For lack of a better term, I I don't think it's fair to say she'd never be happy again because we do get to see in a moment earlier, anger is happy about running away, but he's not happy for the right reason. It's not a joyful response. It's almost a. It's it's a retribution kind of anger. Like revenge making you happy? Yeah, temporarily. Yeah, but, but it's not real joy. The yeah, emotions not, still be anger there. Exactly. Yeah, so um, maybe we should say purely happy. Or correctly happy. Correctly happy. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, goodness, there's so much more that we can talk about here just in general. Um, <laughs> no, it's crazy. But we're not trying to do a psychology thing. We're talking about how good the movie was. Um, <laughs> okay, so as we talked about earlier, Bing Bong's rocket ship was thrown into the pit. And it's imaginary, um, but it still works because they're in the mind. And the mind's yeah. imaginary. Um, so Bing Bong and her and Joy both have the idea of using the rocket ship to get out of the, out of the pit. Would make sense, right? Yeah, and Bing Bong is slowly fading away because he's being forgotten because he's in the pit of forgetfulness. Yeah, and, and she's 11, you know. Um, so they try a few times they, to get the rocket ship. It's powered by song power. So she's a, <laughs> like so all she, good rocket ship should be. <laughs> yeah, Elon Musk, get on that. Um, <laughs> reusable rockets. Why aren't they powered by song power? Um, man, David Bowie really could have been the spaceman. <laughs> yeah, right? So the rocket ship it doesn't um it doesn't get up over the ledge it can't it just can't get up to the ledge it gets really close but it doesn't get quite there yeah after a couple times of trying it bing bong's like i have a really good feeling about this one and then they they try it again they go down the hill and they sing and he's like sing louder joy sing so riley can hear you and then she's singing joy singing as loud as she can and as they're going up bing bong jumps off and then and then joy makes it and enjoy yeah, yeah he's sacrificing himself for riley dude it's seriously though this is pixar um the thing that the scene i think does really well first off joy's like oh yeah we made it bing bong woohoo we're gonna go to the moon riley again blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then she's like bing bong where are you at and then she looks down at the pit and bing bong's like dancing like yeah you made it and then Bing Bong's like, um, take, you know, go save Riley. And, or she's like, go take me, go take Riley to the moon for me or something like that. And then he like fades away. And then like, 
this point in the movie is the turning point for Joy. Um, where she really feels the sadness. Like, she really understands how important sadness is, I think. I don't know. Do you agree with that? Like, she understands... So, yeah, they're, right before they escape the pit, uh, Joy finds and this old happy memory of Riley celebrating with her hockey team. Yeah. And she, she kind of rewinds the memory. And when she rewinds it, it, it fades from being a, a joyful yellow memory to being a sad blue memory. And it's when the parents show up and they're, they're with Riley that it becomes a happy memory. And, and Joy has this moment of realization of like, being sad in that moment helped Riley connect to her parents. It, it strengthened the bond of the family. Not It didn't weaken it like Joy was afraid it would. <clears throat> and then Bing Bong sacrificing himself for Riley and Joy realizing that's a sad thing, but it's going to help Riley in the long run. That I think that is what makes Joy realize, like, I really do need sadness for this. Yeah, and it's you're totally right. And, um, and that Bing Bong scene, I, I, I do just want to say as a whole, Pixar did a brilliant job with emotions there. Oh, um, so sad. I almost started crying in that scene. Yeah. Well, because it did an excellent job of what we talked about in our last episode of connecting you to the characters. It made this likable, lovable character that everyone could relate to, that, that everyone just kind of loved and was rooting for, and then it, it sacrifices itself for the betterment of, of the movie. And yeah. um, I, I told Elle, after that scene was done, this is why Pixar is a master storyteller teller company. Um, oh yeah so it's brilliant I, it's just so good so from there sadness and joy rejoin each other and it's, it's all cool between them well sadness tries to run away from joy because now sadness is worried that maybe I am hurting Riley yeah because sadness is just doing what sadness does but she's like, why am I like this? I don't know why I like to ruin everything, you know? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because Joy's been telling her, you're ruining things, you're hurting Riley, and Sadness now believes it. Yeah, she's like, why? You know, but it's still her natural tendency because it's a sad situation that Riley's in. Yeah. Oh, man, so much good stuff. There. But they rejoin each other. And, and make it uh, back to headquarters. They're home. Yeah, they make it back. <laughs> and uh, they, they get back to headquarters by, uh, they get into headquarters from anger, uh, basically blowing his top. <laughs> and, uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, they, and they melt the glass to, to get them through there. That, that was kind of fun. Um, and they're back. Okay, so something happens here that I think is really important too. She's running away at this point. Yes, Anger has put the idea in her mind that she needs to run away, and once it's in, it's locked in place. He can't take it out. And he, and, sadness and disgust, I'll try. He, joy, and, he, sorry, he, fear and disgust, I'll try. And this is so brilliant. Something, as they realize, this is a terrible idea. They're on the yeah. bus. They're on the bus to go back to Minnesota. And they're like, this is an awful, awful idea. And they're like, take the, take the memory out. Take the, take the great idea out so we can stop this and get back home. And they can't do it. And as they're trying to get it out, the console 
turns black. It like starts to spread from the memory and turn black, or sorry, the idea and turn black. And it like, they can't get Riley, like they can't access a console. It just freezes up. Dude, this is depression. Um, this is such a brilliant, brilliant picturization of depression because none of the emotions could feel and could make her feel anything. They're like, Riley can't feel. And that's, that's depression. Riley was going into depression there. Yeah. Um, they've all been shut out. They've all been shut out and they can't, and she's depressed until sadness comes over to the console and sadness can take out the idea. And I think and, this is. And joy makes sadness do it because they all want yeah, joy to do it. And then right. she makes sadness do it. Because joy's had that realization. It's like, guys, it needs to be joy. And sadness goes over and takes out the great idea. Yeah. And the console comes back to life. And I think this is really brilliant is that the same emotion that was ignored that started the depression had to be acknowledged to finish the depression. Oh, that's deep. Um, for, for Riley. And I'm, you know, again, like if, if you've ever, I'm not saying that's a universal truth, obviously depression is a really real thing. Um, and I'm not saying that's even correct, but, but at least how this, that's how I believe this picture, this movie has depicted it. And I, and I do think, at least in my personal thing, that was my issues. I've never, I never acknowledged certain emotions, which is why I fell into that. But that's just personal experience. Uh, so. And I think it's important to note here that sadness is not able to fix the depression. It goes away from the center console, but it's not, it's not gone. Right. Yeah, Which this is good. maybe something they could have done a little bit more of in the, in the film, but, but it, when sadness first steps up, the console starts to slowly bring back to life. Not, not like the depression is going away, <clears throat> but that it's actually, it's, they're working through it and they're accepting that it's part of that and they're able to work in spite of it. Mm, that's deep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then at this moment, the movie basically kind of starts to wrap up and um, things start to get more, more peachy. I guess. <laughs> and R- Riley goes home and she has this, this interaction with her parents where she's, she admits to being sad and joy and sadness kind of run this together. They run this little interaction with their parents together and a new core memory is built that is blue and yellow. It's sad and joyful. Which is true. If you start to think of it as you get older, and I think this is why I I wanted to wait to this point. Something that does well in this movie is the characters that they pick. Those five characters of emotions in your head, are like the primary colors, red, blue, and green. Any combination of those emotions embody any combination of emotions you could ever feel. Oh, yeah. I think I'm, yeah, I think I'm right in saying that the, from those five, you can make any emotion in the human spectrum. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And, um, and so the combined memories are almost basically them starting to grow up and work together. And let emotions become different things. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the you get a you get a flash forward a little bit, and you get to see the the core memory slots refilled, but they're not all joy this time. There's still plenty of joy, but there are other memories too. It just kind of shows that joy isn't trying to hide away the other other emotions anymore. She's trying to work with them. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Hmm. <laughs> so at the end of the film, and Riley gets a new larger console, again, kind of showing that as you grow up, you, <clears throat> you, have, you become more. Your brain becomes more complex. You become more complex. We have all new islands of personality as Riley's rebuilding her life, which I think is another important thing. The original islands of personality, they don't suddenly reappear. It, they're new ones. Riley doesn't yeah. Riley does not go back to who she was before this, this bout of depression hits. She learns to move forward in a new way and become a new Riley. One that is still very much Riley, but not the same as who she was. Boom. <clears throat> yeah. Which is, it's an important thing in life in general. If we could have a little moment of silence for that. Um, you do constantly have to move forward and almost say goodbye to who you were and become something else. You know, I, to be a little personal here, uh, I am in a very different place than I was five years ago. Hmm. Five years ago, I was living with my brother. I was working a job that I didn't really enjoy. I wasn't very happy in general. Now I'm in a job I love. I'm happily married. I have a child. I'm doing yeah. things that I really love. And I think I'm a very different person than I was. I am still Brayden, but it's not hmm. the same Brayden that graduated high school six years ago. Yeah, it's good. Oh, man. It's just growing up. It's like showing the thing of growing up and just going through life. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Wow. And then the movie gets kind of fun and you kind of get to see inside other people's minds. She meets a boy. Classic Pixar. Yeah, what's going on in his mind. Um, it shows the parents' marriage, like what's going on in their mind with the marriage. Um, and then like, yeah, it kind of just wraps up like that. You know, yeah. one thing I, I did not mention, if I could just throw it in real quick as we're here at the end of this film. Yeah. Did you notice that Joy has the same hair color as Sadness? And it's the only, it's the only oh. emotion that has two different colors. I notice it now. <laughs> well, I see it now. Yeah, now I see it. Yeah. No, you're totally right. Yeah, I I. I, I know that means something, and I can't really figure out what exactly it means. It's probably something important. Who knows? There's probably a lot of those things. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that's the movie. Um, in retrospect, this may have been too much to bite off because it's such a crazy, <laughs> like, but maybe not because as a whole, it's clear we like this movie, but it's really good. But maybe it's too much to bite off. I don't know. I don't know. I think this was a pretty fun talk. It was actually. There's so much good stuff here and so many good realizations. It's like hearing, I don't know. It's like it, understanding yourself is sometimes easier when you have stories and picturesque things to compare them to. So I think this movie does a brilliant job making you understand yourself. I think so too. And, you know, you, if I could go back to something we talked about a couple weeks ago when we were talking about glass. And I, I, I gave my little spiel, my, my soapbox spiel, about how we, we use storytelling as a way to understand ourselves. And we use, you know, extremizations in storytelling to help us narrow into concepts that are very difficult to explain. Like, 
<clears throat> it's like if you're trying to describe what an atom looks like, it's way too small to just talk about it. So you have to blow it up and talk about it in pieces and make it, make it almost huge. Something that's very small, you got to make it huge to talk about. Or something that's abstract. You've got you've to really dive into it to really talk about it. And I think this film does that. It takes this abstract idea of the different emotions a person feels. And it, it like pushes it to this extreme of personalizing them and building this headquarters. And to show, to really help you try to understand what exactly these emotions are and how they work. I think it's really cool that in this film, you get to see the emotions and at the same time, you get to see how what they're doing is actually affecting Riley. It's like you see the real world and this made, make-believe world at the same time. There are a lot of movies that try to do things that this film does. And what I like about showing Riley at the same time as the emotions, it really helps to drive the point home of like, we're having fun and this is a fun story, but this is real like this is really happening to you and it's okay that this is real yeah that's really good <laughs> that's yeah why thank you well i'm not gonna get a better wrap up than that um <laughs> do you have anything to say at the end here well done pixar um honestly um well done. this is a, this is a unique movie that really uh I feel like serves dual purposes and entertainment education. Um, but, but, but then also just like general awareness, like I, as an adult, learn something from watching it. Uh, and then kids being exposed to this kind of concept when they're, when they're just kids, that's uh, pretty cool. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So landing the plane, Braden, we have a patent pending. <laughs> copyright trademark worldwide protected wildly disputed only us rating system that we yes. rate all of our movies by yes it's a five-step rating system based on how much time money and effort you'd be willing to put into seeing these films the top is go see it in theaters then there's go buy it go rent it go borrow it and go skip it it's not even worth your time so, Luke, what would you rate this film? Go see it in theaters, man. Yeah, this is definitely one that you <laughs> yeah. gotta see in theaters. It's just so good, man. It's so good. Yeah. It, yeah. There's not. Even, it's. It is a weird thing to to say to talk about because there's not a lot to say. But yeah, you've got to go see it. Just go see it. Just do it. All right, guys. So as we come to the end here, Brayden. Yes. The time has come for you to pick the next flick. <laughs> oh, Luke. I want to apologize in advance. Okay. Oh, so, no. We have been watching a lot of great movies this season. Oh, gosh. A lot of uh, a we lot of pick great a bad movies. Ones. We got to pick a bad th- one. You know, I feel like low-key the... the the kind of core of this season has been um, talking about films in general and what makes them good and what makes them bad. We had a long discussion last week about a good film and a bad film. And I think to, to continue that discussion, we have to watch a bad film. Yeah. I think we need to watch maybe the worst film I have oh, ever Oh, gosh. You know what film I'm picking, don't you? 
Like, what is... Oh, go ahead. We are going to watch the 2015 Fantastic Four. (laughs) I know I said I'd never make you watch that film again. I knew it. But there's really no other film that's this bad. (laughs) You're right over there? It needs to happen. It does. And I don't want to just watch this film and spend the whole time making fun of it. As fun as that would be. I do honestly want to use this as an exercise to try and talk about when there are bad moments, what makes this bad and what could have been done to make it better. I love it. Yeah. Good. I was hoping you'd say that because you have to watch it anyway. Yeah. Good. Because you're contractually obliged to do it anyways. (laughs) Contractually obliged to watch this film with me. That's good, dude. Okay, done deal. Fantastic Four 2015 with Miles Teller in it. Not sure what was going on there with that casting, but well, I love it. We're going to figure it out. Well, we're going we're to talk about it. Okay, guys. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, we're on social media. Yes, we're on Twitter at uh, PodNXT, P-O-D-N-X-T. We're also on Facebook at Next Podcasts. Is it Next Pod or Netflix Podcast? One of those two. You'll find us. You'll check us out. And so give us a follow. Give us a like. Um, tweet us at that. Um, and, and just kind of give us some feedback. Let us know if you're liking it or not liking it. Unless you don't like it, don't tell us. But <laughs> no, give us some feedback. Um, and share it with some people too. Um, it's really cool what we, what we get to do. Hopefully you enjoy the banter and, and just talking about movies. It's a fun thing. It's good yeah, stuff. It's, it's really interesting that we, we get to just talk about movies. Not quite professionally because we don't really make a lot of money, but kind of professionally. I feel like by the end of it, we're at least going to be extreme amateurs. <laughs> I like that. Extreme amateurs. You know, like, we're not at the bottom of the totem pole, but we can, like, get ourselves in trouble if we talk to a professional. <laughs> Yeah, someone could definitely make sure we're not professional ever again. Yeah, that's very true. Okay, guys, Uh, thanks for tuning in. I uh, will see you next time. Bye. Outro.